Hi, everybody. I'm Dawn Mitchell, and welcome to Dawn of Sports. This week, you've heard many, many times us talk about Minnesota Aurora, but we are so proud to have the COO, the Chief Off operating officer and president Jessica Poole join us. She not only is advancing Minnesota Aurora in the level of soccer, she's also changing the landscape as we know it in sports. Sports can change the world and Jessica Poole is at the helm here in the Twin Cities. Welcome back to Dawn of Sports. Today's guest, Minnesota Aurora President and COO Jessica Poole. Great conversation with her. Uh, that, that organization continues to astound. Uh, it's really, and we've already recorded the interview, so I know it's good. Uh, really powerful, interesting human being. Check it out. Uh, we're going to get to uh, some local sports, men's and women's, here on Dawn of Sports. We are brought to you by Rudy Luther Toyota. Also, recommend checking out. Shepherd Goods and Lamb Chops Clothing Line. They're a, a, a sponsor of the John Krasinski Show. So if you use the promo code JONK20, John K20, you'll get 20% off their stuff. Uh, you see a lot of people at courtside wearing that stuff. Highly recommend it. We're also coming to you from the, from the uh, Aquarius Home Services Studios. I want to thank all of our sponsors and all of those who listen. Uh, it's been a blast doing this show with Dawn. She continues to bring on great guests. Uh, just a reminder, if you like this show or any other show at TalkNorth.com, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. And let's start here, Don. Uh, we will get some local sports. But another college basketball player was injured during a court storming incident this weekend. Duke uh, Kyle Filipowski was hit by a, a Wake Forest fan running onto the court. Caitlin Clark, about a month ago. Uh, was banged up by a fan sprinting onto a court. I I've always thought the court storming was a terrible idea, and now we're seeing ramifications. What do you think of the entire scene? Yeah, you know, uh, it's a great visual, right? We're just working from TV, like you're like, oh, that excitement. But I, I understand it if you win a national championship, right? Um, I don't like it to see people hurt, but that's when security is ready and all that. But for a regular huge win during a regular season, I think it's unnecessary. I think it's dangerous. Um, I do think, you know, not to spark a little bit more controversy, you know, how this most recent one was met rather than, oh, Caitlin Clark really milked it, you know. <laughs> you know, it, it was almost okay for the, the woman to get run over, but not the guy. But that's a story for a whole nother time. I'm not a fan of it, Jim. I... I don't like masses of people to begin with. I always think, wow, I'm always up in the press box or something like that. I never really get to be fans at games, but I'm so glad that I would never be in the middle of all of that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it should be banned, but then that's also part of the excitement. So I am torn. I am torn about it. I don't know how you feel. I am not torn. Um, I don't get to, uh, just because I bought a ticket, I don't get to run up on stage when I go to the theater. I don't get to run up on stage true, when I go true. to a concert. NFL fans are not allowed on the fa uh, field after Super Bowl victories. Uh, baseball fans are not allowed to run around on the field after the World Series or any game. Uh, every other sport says, well, we're not letting you idiots run over our players. Right. And college basketball, just because of tradition, uh, allows it. And here's the thing. 
we it used to be a spontaneous act. Yes. And and for you know a huge what? game like a yeah. national championship or something. Or, yes. or or you know the incredible upset. I mean, a, yeah, you know, exactly, a, a, exactly. A, no, a nothing team knocks off number one on its on their home court, and people right. got so excited they couldn't. I still don't think it was a good idea, but at least I understood it back then. Right now, it's like, oh wow, this bubble team beat this other bubble team by eight points, uh, and the, guess what? The fans want to be on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter. Uh-huh. They want to have their. They want to pretend like they're the stars of the show. They want to run out there. So, and and it, here's a. And hey, we screen millions and millions and millions of Americans at the airport. Why? Not because millions of Americans are going to carry a bomb or a gun onto a plane and hijack it, because one out of 10 million people might try it. Well, if you let thousands and thousands and thousands of fans run onto the court, guess what? One of them is going to have ill intent. And I don't think. Absolutely. There's enough reward in having them on the court to face the chance that even and even if even if it's accidental, you could you could sprain somebody's ankle, you could break somebody's rim, you, you could affect the outcome of the game. I hate it. It reminds me recently because it's just been like I don't know if it, obviously I don't know the numbers, but the frequency of which it happens is scary to me. It's like I don't like the mass mentality, right. Of rushing anything. Uh, it reminds me of when there are those stampedes of people trying to get out of buildings and you always hear someone's trampled, you know, Mm -hmm. like someone yells something. So that whole, like I told you, I don't like huge crowds anyway. Uh, I think as media people, we get to navigate, you kind of, kind of, you know, slice through a crowd. But I always think of that sometimes, like if I'm at a huge concert venue or something, I said, something goes wrong. Like, where's the exit? You know, I don't, I don't want to be trampled. And so that would be my fear as a player because, and just think of it, they're coming, they're descending down upon you too. So that's a whole nother physics lesson, right? And, and these security guards, they can't hold that rush of people. So there's gotta be things put in place, um, that can prevent that. So I, how, how do you do it? Do you bolster security? Do you, um, how can you put the genie back in the bottle? And when I was saying I was torn, I was saying, I don't, I don't, I don't want college sports to become pro in a way, right. Of emotions, right. This is why we love college sports, right. Because you know, the, the kids, well, I want to say they're not getting paid, but they are with nil now, but it's that emotion and it's that love of the game. And it's that pure form of college sports, but you're right, Jim, like, no, uh, you don't rush a stage at like the Orpheum because you think that that's great. You just give them a standing ovation. So it, the genie has to be put back in the bottle because something re- they've been lucky that there's not been serious injury. No and, doubt. And, and I'm not even talking about the nefarious person that might want to harm someone. You know, we also years ago would have with Monica Sellis, right? There's always that one person in the crowd, like you said, that has ill intent. But even if, I mean, someone's going to be seriously hurt and it's going to become a huge problem. Yeah. Now let's prevent that. And listen, I'm old and I'm a rock and roll fan. So I remember when poor crowd control led to people being trampled to death at a Who concert in Ohio way back when. And guess what? After that happened, all of a sudden, crowd control at concerts became much better, much more professionalized. Let's not wait for a tragedy. Let's not wait for something really bad to happen before we put, you know, things in place. If you can keep 
60,000 NFL fans from storming a field, you can keep 20,000 college basketball fans from storming a court. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? I just want to make a point. It's not just about protecting the players. It's about protecting everybody. Yeah. Coaches, fans, anyone there, you know, young kids. Officials. I mean, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and while we're speaking, and I'm one of the reasons I'm thinking about these things because I'm writing about them this week. Another thing, stupid thing I would like to see go away, hockey fighting. The only place in hockey where, ho- where fighting is allowed uh, among, I mean, I mean, among at the top level of the game is in the NHL. And here we are in 2024, knowing what CTE is, knowing what concussions do to people, knowing the story of Derek Bugard, and we're still stopping professional hockey games to let two people punch each other in the face until they're tired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, and I have to admit full transparency, you know, if I'm watching the game and somebody, um, purposely, we have to stop more than that. If we're going to stop the fighting. You have to stop, um, like the enforcer just to begin with, or the, the, the thug or whatever you want to call them in the game. That's going to try to take out your elite star skater on the other team, you know, like to target, you know, I mean, there's no bo- bounty gate was huge in the NFL, right? So it's more than just the fighting. Then you'd have to take out that because the reason why the enforcer is there is you, if some team comes out and, and their main sole thing is let's get Kirill Kaprizov and take him out the legs, you that's where the enforcer came from, right? So it's kind of inherent in the game. So um, I can I, do I believe the game can change that way? Absolutely. I think games can change when then there's a health risk. Um, with that said, I have to say the fan in me, not the journalist, if there's someone that did a cheap shot to your star player, I kind of get like, yeah, he deserved it. Is that mentality good? Probably not overall, but as a hockey fan, I can see where the, that blood boils over, you know, it's, it's that emotion, but to just what, what I think the carryover. You know, it's almost like throwing a baseball at someone, right? Like that carryover of bad blood. I think that needs to go away. I think I, I mentioned this before where my family, came, they came in town um, and obviously my family's from Boston. I have four brothers. Now this one brother, I had never been to an NHL game before. And my brother's a coach and he does not like that culture gym of the fighting in hockey. He doesn't. And, and I was saying, Hey, it's, you know, it's, it's, the NHL, um, the, cause he was thinking the crowds would be that way. You know, he, I think he's remembering like when we were kids, like there'd be fights at Boston garden or something. I'm like, you know, it's not like that anymore. Like, like people bring their kids to wild games. Well, literally within the first five minutes, because a couple of days beforehand, the wild had beaten the Bruins in Boston in overtime. There was some bad blood left over from that game. And so within like the first five minutes, of course they dropped it. Like, out of nowhere, they drop the gloves and they start fighting. And I look at my brother and he's looking at me like, really? <laughs> and my nephew, who's only 12, who's hilarious at this point, knows, knows his dad. And he looks at me and apparently in his school, they called, they call them, um, trailblazers. This one teacher calls their group of students trailblazers. And he looks at me cause he knew, he knew what his dad was feeling. And he looked and he goes, 
Auntie Dawn, this is the part where the teachers would be like, trailblazers, look away over here. Look at the popcorn <laughs> vendor. And like, it was just hilarious. Trailblazers, look away. And so he got the absurdity of it, but also, and it wasn't a bad fight and it was more of a spillover because my brother was like, well, what was that for? I go, well, that was from the game before. And he just shook his head. Now, the moral of the story is he ended up loving the game because that was the only fight. And then it was a great game and, and they were, everyone was happy, but I was like, of all the games I bring my, my family to, they drop the gloves, like spillover. So I'm torn as a hockey fan, but the, the stupidity of it, um, of just beating the heck out of someone I'm not a fan of, but then you have to eliminate the cheap shots of going after someone's star player just to take him out like a bounty gate. Well, I would suggest that's where officials should do their job because Olympic <laughs> hockey, high level championship, college hockey, women's hockey. If somebody gets chippy, the official gives them a penalty and yeah. maybe a major penalty, yes. maybe throws them yes. out of the game. I don't know. I don't understand why. I mean, I, I just try to translate it to any other sport or any other aspect of society. Oh, oh, if you have some bad blood, then you guys get to go over in that corner and just punch each other until one of you is brain dead. Um, right. How about the officials? Well, that's boxing too. We could go down that rabbit hole. But but boxing, the point of the sport is to punch each other. And, and I'm not, I'm really not in favor of it, but it is the essence of the sport. Fighting in hockey is a sideshow. Uh, well, it can become a sideshow. It's mostly just to you know, stick up for your teammate. But I also see that excessive, like, right. It's got, it's got to be regulated. So it's just not, let's drop the gloves and, you know, I mean, if, if you can get an extra amount now uh, for drawing blood, right. Or if it's four minutes, you're going, you, you have to clamp down on the stupidity of just that. Let's just drop the gloves and beat someone up. And we want to thank Rudy Luther Toyota for sponsoring the program and being such a great supporter of women's sports. Again, hang on for the Jessica Poole interview. We're going to hit on the uh, Timberwolves and then uh, give you Dawn's FTG if she has one this week. But first, let's hear from Rudy Luther Toyota. Ready for a women forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. Ten cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Hey, everyone. It's John Krasinski from The Athletic. And uh, on this podcast network, we have The John Krasinski Show. We have The Viking Update Show, talking Timberwolves and Vikings all the time. And some really fun adventures ready for this summer, including partnering with Define Destinations on a wonderful trip to Spain from August 22nd to 29th. And if you sign up for with Define Destinations at definedestinations.com, uh, you can go with me to Madrid and Barcelona. The trip includes airfare from Minneapolis, St. Paul, centrally located hotels, a city tour of Madrid, a city tour of Barcelona. We'll stay in four-star hotels. We'll take some tapas and sangria food tours. They'll have all sorts of different sightseeing adventures. We'll have guided local tours to show us around. Maybe we'll even knock on Ricky Rubio's door. Who knows? But uh, I think it's going to be a great time. 
Uh, you, you've probably heard Michael Russo talk about these trips and how much fun that they have. And so after a long season with the Timberwolves, hopefully one that goes deep into the spring and early summer, maybe you want to come with me to Madrid and Barcelona in Spain at the end of August for just a wonderful tour. I'm really looking forward to it. Again, sign up at defineddestinations.com. Look for John Krasinski's Spain trip, and I hope to see you out there. And once again, just want to highlight uh, one of our network sponsors, Shepherd Goods and Lamb Shop's clothing line. Use the promo code JohnK20, J-O-N-K-20, get 20% off. Really cool stuff. Again, you see a lot of their stuff sideline at Timberwolves Games. And uh, again, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. So, Don, what are your thoughts on the Timberwolves? Okay, so I think you come out of the All Star break. You're you're facing the the first game out of the shoot was the Milwaukee Bucks. They beat them before the break on the road handily. I think they came out rusty. Now, two of your top players were at the All Star All Star festivities. I get that. I get that. But I, I think there was such a missed opportunity. Now, with that said, they did come back after that and and whoop the Clippers, one twenty one one hundred last game on on you know my, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> I don't want to say Clippers. They came the back Nets, and they beat the Nets. Yeah, yep. one hundred eighty six, um, and. At home, which was a feel-good thing, I'm like, okay, that's the reset button. That's the reset button. But I really think it should have happened with the Bucks. And um, am I being picky? A little bit. Because I, I'm i so excited for this team and what they can do. I mean, I remember when I first got here, I was like, wow, the Timberwolves are good. No, I got here and it was the first time in 12 years they didn't make the postseason, right? <laughs> and so I was not here for the heyday of the Timberwolves or all, all of that stuff. Um, so I'm, I have high hopes for this team. So maybe I'm just being a little harsh, but uh, once they beat the Nets like that, um, I was like, okay. Now let's see what you can do. I want them to keep it rolling. So they have the the Spurs tomorrow. I'm looking forward to them just kind of, I look at the schedule and I'm like, that's a win. That's a win. That's a win. And maybe that's my fault because I was just kind of like, wow, you tripped out of the gate with the Bucks. So I got to get over that. That's got to, that's my mental hurdle. Like the, the good teams, you know, don't, don't do that. But then I kind of talk myself out of being harsh and be like, well, you know, cat and aunt and coach, we're at the all-star game. I don't know. What are your thoughts on when you see a team after you blow one out, you come back and you're like, just kind of lay an egg. Well, I really do think that I usually don't get into this uh, because I usually think it's a made up media thing, but I do actually think in this case, the all-star break came at a bad time for this team. They were playing fantastic. Yes. Then they go to the all-star game. Uh, Edwards is kind of messing around with the sore knee Gobert's a little, you know, banged up. And they just they they just had a terrible they're a great third quarter team and they had maybe one of the worst third quarters of the entire season against a team that is one of the best teams in the NBA but has struggled this year, but in terms of talent and roster construction and stars is very good. So I just I I just always caution fans with a very long season you can think whatever you want about any individual game, then you got to pull back and look at the standings because you know, the standings tell us that everybody loses games like this. Otherwise, the Timberwolves would not be number one in the West. They've had the Timberwolves have had a lot of bad losses. They had a bad month, and they're still number one in the West. It tells you 
that nobody plays well every time out. It just doesn't happen. Here, here, Jim. The All voice right. of reason. The voice of reason. <laughs> Do you have an FTG this week? Um, mine is a good FTG. Like, um, fantastic, that guy is, okay. is my brain. Go. Um, and this is for all of you underdogs out there. And I touched on this before, and I am a little biased. I'm just full transparency. I'm a little biased because this is my friend's son. But there is a kid that finally got his dream come true. And I say kid. He, he's an adult. Um, his dream finally came true. Pat Spencer with the Golden State Warriors. He started as the number one lacrosse player in the country out of Loyola. Played four years, full ride Loyola. Number one draft, the lacrosse um, pro draft. And said, you know what? I'm a better basketball player. My dream is to play D1 hoops. So everyone thought, you're crazy. His parents were like, listen, if this is your dream, you got to work hard. You know, you can't just expect to walk on. Well, he worked hard, went to Northwestern as a grad transfer was like the leading scorer there, went to Europe, played there, um, had two major surgeries, but still had the dream, caught on with the the Golden State Warriors, made their G League team, and just got a two-way contract. Just got a two-way contract. Now, you could say that the, the world is littered with that, but when you have someone that's been told this whole time, like, stick with lacrosse. You can make more money in lacrosse. Or who's this guy, you know, kid, thinks he can play in the NBA? Well, I, his mom was texting me pictures last night of his jersey hanging in the Golden State Warriors locker room. Got in two minutes in the final score sheet, you know, woohoo. And, but you, and I'm seeing pictures of him in the background with Andrew Wiggins. And I'm like, I just remember when Andrew Wiggins was here. So when you're seeing someone who, um, yes, people think that their lives are easy. It's not. And, and and to just have to keep working and flying in the face of everybody, all the critics of what people say, even your friends, mm -hmm. friends and family are being like, why don't you just go back to lacrosse? Um, not his inner family, but um, I just want to give Patrick Spencer of the Golden State Warriors a massive amount of credit. Um, and there's so many athletes out there. Uh, so many athletes out there that have a dream. And sometimes when it gets it gets tough. They don't have the support. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to Pat and his brother, Cam plays on, on UConn and, uh, had another phenomenal, uh, game, but I'm more about the, the underdogs that are told constantly that you can't or you, or you're crazy. Um, don't listen, don't listen, just go for it. Good stuff. And now our Don's interview with Minnesota Aurora COO and President Jessica Poole. As promised, our interview with Jessica Poole, of course, we've been big supporters of Minnesota Aurora. We love everything they've done, and it's going to be fascinating to see what Jessica does with the team. Don, take it away. Yeah, Jessica Poole from Minnesota Aurora. You've heard her name, and she is magnificent. The COO, the Chief Operating Officer and President of the highly successful Minnesota Aurora, joining Jim and myself today. Jessica, thank you so much for your time. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to chatting with you all. You know, as Jim mentioned, um, we speak about Minnesota Aurora almost every single podcast we're on, because not only is it 
an organization that is sports that has been successful. It's also the mission behind it. And Jim always, and I love when men are talking about this, saying it has transformed the landscape of sports and people's attitudes actually here in Minnesota. So when you first joined on, what did you know about Minnesota Aurora before you said, yes, I want to come over and, and take over the reins? And, and how does that align with you personally? Yeah, so I knew the mission of Minnesota Aurora from the beginning. Um, I'm really fortunate to have great friends that are in market that were talking about this team um, to me. I was living in Chicago and they were like, this is really, really cool. Like, this is like so you, like you're all about this. And I followed um, from Chicago for, for a while. And then a friend of mine said, hey, they have this job open. Um, I think you should think about it. This could be a really good fit for you. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Like, why not? Um, I am a product of um, a girl dad who really allowed me to play all the sports that I wanted to. Soccer was my first love. Um, unfortunately, I probably would not have made the Minnesota Aurora team. I was not that good. Um, <laughs> and after a while, I became pretty engrossed in and basketball, and that was kind of my my love. And this job gave me an opportunity to come back to my first love in sport and really do the things that I'm good at, which is um, operations and business and revenue generation and you know fan experience, all of those things I get to do on a daily basis. So this position um, really resonated with me from that standpoint, but also probably even more so from the just like societal norms um, that this team is breaking and changing and trailblazing. Um, I am I am a black woman, um, solo mom that works in uh, as an executive in a sports team. So I affectionately call myself a unicorn. Um, I don't find other people like me often. So this is an opportunity to really kind of link arms with the mission of this this organization and take it to the next level. So it it checked all my boxes. <laughs> Well, it also checked the box too for Minnesota because you're the only woman of color leading a pro slash amateur team in the Twin Cities and to kind of break into the landscape that way as well. Um, Minnesota was about representation. You know, um, if you can see it, you can be it. I always love that motto because it is true. Um, so for you, was that also playing into it? Like personally, for me, this means a lot, but I can also represent and, and um, just kind of change things on my own that way. Yes, um, that is um, ever since I started working in the sports industry, um, I've been the first or the only um, and I have really taken that to heart. Um, my mission just as a human being is to make sure that I leave this world better than than it was when I got here, and this is my way of doing it. Um, I was the first. I was the first ever black woman to lead College Sports Communicators, which is the largest kind of affiliate organization and um, in that landscape. And for me, it was a, a labor of love, and I wanted other women to see, particularly black women who are um, very underrepresented in that industry, the communications industry that um, you can do this. Um, you can do this. You can be a mom. Um, you can 
be a woman and you can be a leader. And I wanted to make sure that that was something that I was showing. So my entire career has been built on um, pay it forward. Um, you know, my first ever, uh, I will shout out, um, I was the communications contact for women's basketball at the University of Michigan many, many years ago in my hometown. And I, one day I looked around and I was like, I am the only woman doing this. Um, the only black woman doing this. And the majority of our players are black. Like what's going on here? Mm -hmm, And so I really went on a crusade of making sure that I was um, putting myself in positions to be elevated so that one day I could be able to hire people that looked like me to make sure that there were pools that had people that looked like me. And so um, that's always going to be my mission. Um, And as a parent, um, I'm raising a little boy who quite honestly, um, his first love is women's sports. He said to me yesterday, mommy, when does the Lynx play again? I'm ready for basketball. He is, he, he is not, he, he likes sports, but his, his baseline for sports are women's sports because he has grown up on a basketball court, on a soccer field, and the people that happen to be on those fields are women. So, um, it's just a real joy to be able to, to pay it forward in that way. You know, that reminds me of a guest that Jim and I had on um, a few months ago, Natalie Darwitz, who is the general manager now for Minnesota's PWHL team. And she has two sons and and she's highly decorated in the world of hockey, perhaps one of the most in the world and especially from the United States. And she said to her sons, the first time they realized that boys actually played hockey was a revelation. You know, they're like, mom, boys play hockey too. You know? So the perspective that William has is also um, changing the world as well. Wouldn't you say? A hundred percent. It's so funny. You mentioned Natalie. She and I were, I was just at their game yesterday um, against <laughs> Boston. We were talking about that very same thing. And, you know, she said, my, my boys are excited to come. I was like, and my William's super excited to come and he doesn't know any difference. And I'm, I can't wait for him to be in middle school and having his mom still, maybe he'll still let me coach his basketball team then. <laughs> um, and just be like, my mom's my coach and my mom does this. And like, that's going to be powerful and it, it will change the world. What Jim and I both loved, and we love this separately. So Jim, feel free to f- jump in on this one as well, because we have our Minnesota Aurora moments and we don't talk about them beforehand when we, when we come on the podcast. <laughs> and a couple of weeks ago, um, Jim went with his first and it was the exact same one as mine. And we, we want to talk about what you just have recently written on the website and the, the main line that jumps out at me, the whole article, first of all, thank you so much for writing it. It was brilliant. But your quote was, I am my ancestors wildest dreams. You do not shy away from persisting which I love personally, but also saying, you know, America makes it hard for a black woman. Um, and, and just the whole essay you wrote was so beautiful. Uh, I just, I want you to explain more for, for those that are listening that may not have read it, um, just exactly what it was. And I, and I want to thank you for that because it really touched my heart. Well, thank you. Um, I said, I am a writer at my core. Um, I got my start in this industry in communications. And for me, um, you know, my grandparents, both sets, 
um, they didn't have the opportunity. My grandmothers didn't have the opportunity to play, to play sports. And, um, you know, they were having families and just didn't have the opportunity. And so every time I'm able to, um, share that what I get to do, um, on a day-to-day basis is something that somebody prayed for really, quite honestly, my grandmother's prayed for me to have these opportunities that I have. Um, that's, that's important for me. Um, you know, I think that we've come a long way, but you know, you said the stat earlier, I'm the only black woman of color leading an organization here in the, in the twin cities. Um, that's, we have to change that. We have to continue to move the needle. And if we're silent about it, because I think sometimes we have this tendency as people, right? If we don't talk about things, it's not as bad as it seems, or, you know, we're, we're not responsible for it. And for me, um, I, it's, it's a responsibility for me. It's a responsibility for me to um, showcase what it's like to be in these spaces, to showcase not only the progress that we have made, but also the work that still needs to be done. Um, because that's part of it. That's part of being able to have this job. It's, it's showing how, how we've gotten here and how we get to the next level. And for me, that's why I chose to write about it. I think that it's not lost on me. Obviously, it's Black History Month. Women's History Month is, is coming up. And um, it's just important that we don't have these conversations in small rooms with a small group of people and the conversations stop there. Um, I really want us to be having these conversations on larger scales. I want us to be having them with not just women of color and women, but men. Um, we need men to help us. Um, we need everyone to carry the water of this um, of this topic. Um, and so for me, that was my way of just making sure that we understand that, yes, we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go and we need everyone's help. Um, this is not something that Jessica could do on her own. I need everyone's help to, to make progress in this area. And one thing about Minnesota Aurora, it brings the men in. There are young boys, there are dads, there are grandfathers that obviously you have a great product, right? And we're going to get to the actual team too in a second. But when you have men supporting, um, like even Jim on this broadcast, like, yes, I I want to talk about strong women and empowering women and, and help move the needle to have that support. That was crucial for me for this podcast that... Um, I did not want to empower women at the, at the sake of disrespecting men because men yeah. for me have been my biggest supporters in life. Um, that is such a powerful thing that Minnesota Aurora, if you look throughout the crowd, you look throughout all that, that is there. And that is wonderful. Yes, it is. It's our secret sauce. I tell people all the time is that we have created an atmosphere and a product and an experience that is inclusive of everyone. If you're uh, if you're a young boy like my son, if you're um, someone's grandfather, if you are um, trans, like we are your place. Like we want to mm-hmm. be a place, and we want to create an atmosphere where everyone is welcome and everyone feels safe and comfortable watching sport. Like that for me, there I get no greater joy than sitting at the press box and looking out and seeing everybody having a great time. That's what sports are supposed to do. They're supposed to be connectors. They're supposed to bring people together. Um, and, and we really take that to a different level than most, most sports teams. And I'm really grateful to be able to lead in that way. 
I'll jump and in then, here. Uh, we have ahead, something Jim. in we have co- something in common, Jessica. We both got journalism degrees from the University of Missouri, Columbia. Uh, obviously, obviously, you've done more with yours than I'd ever ever did with mine. So, but congratulations <laughs> on that. I, did, I, I always one thing I always think is that our society and our sports teams would be better off if more people understood journalism and came at it from that discipline. I'm wondering how that influenced you in your career. Oh my gosh. I, I, I love that. And MIV. Um, I think that journalism and the path of communications has given me so many tools that I use on a daily basis in this role. Um, I think that far none, the relationship building and how you have to, I joke all the time, I'm good at building relationships with people because for many, many years I had to do it for coaches that didn't want to build relationships yep. with people. Um, and so I use it every day. I think the relationship building is key to, to being successful in an executive position. I also, um, I also think that being able to speak well and, and be concise with what you're saying and all of those things are, are not lost. If you're speaking on a panel, like you better know a cadence and when to talk and all of those things. And so I, I love, I, I love that I have a journalism degree and it's something that I'm able to use every single day. Well, of course, I'm going to chime in and say, I think journalism is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's and, a way, and, it, and more, it's more than just being fantastic, it's also, it's a discipline, it's a way of thinking, it's understanding, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's understanding how things work together. It's also understanding that uh, if someone asks you a, a question, it's not an attack on you. It's, it's, it's a search for yeah. information. Yes, yes. And it can also help bring forward, you talk about communication being important and not only the cadence, it's you want to be able to have your message received, right? Many people can just say something, but it's how, how can I say it in a manner that people will listen and Mm -hmm. it will make a difference. And that's where sometimes that skill comes across. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. I would totally agree. Now, now, when it comes to the actual team, I just want to say congratulations. Um, not only are you going into the third season, you've never had a regular season loss. We're, I know the postseason is going to be the next step to conquer for this team, but you also have Minnesota Aurora too. And only two seasons behind this team to already have a feeder system just shows the impact that this has had and how many young girls, young women want to get involved. Can you tell us how this whole thing with the tryouts and and you have camps that are going on right now? Just, you know, it's not overwhelming for you because this is what you wanted, but you must have to take a quick look back in the offseason and be like, wow, this is bursting already. Yeah. So, you know, when I came, when I came here almost a year ago, coming up on a year here, um, uh, that was one thing that I really thought was important was that we create pipeline. Um, There are so many young female soccer players in this region. Um, We can't have everyone on the first team. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, what a better, what, there's no better way to create, um, pathway and pipeline and to really give young women an opportunity to um, experience Aurora um, in maybe a, a different type of atmosphere. And so that was really the, the my my wish for this. Um, I'm very fortunate that our, our 
director of sporting and head coach Nicole Lukic was on board with that. She really thought um, we were really in alignment there and that we have enough interest that we can fill two teams. And so we said, let's try it. Um, you know, the, the best things come out of just trying things. And so it's been very well received. Um, tryouts were awesome. Um, we really, we, we really found a lot of local talent. Um, so you'll be seeing that's the other thing that's really beautiful about Aurora too, is it does give a space for maybe more local, um, younger talent, um, to showcase their skills. And, and then there's also the opportunity, you know, they're, you can maybe you work your way into the, the first team before the season's over. You know, there's just a lot of opportunity. And we really want, again, our mission is about creating opportunities. And this is just another way for us to create more opportunities for great soccer. And it's another way to give our fans more games, quite honestly. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what everyone's been talking about. So we wanted to be able to provide that. And then the camps, I think, also really feed into that as well. We're kind of foraying into youth camps for the first time. And I just want to say thank you to our community for showing up in such a big, big way. We opened camp registration last week and literally in the first 24 hours, two of the four sessions were completely sold out. So this this community um, has been behind us and all of the things that we're trying to do from the very beginning. And so, again, for community by community is a real thing at Aurora and it's beautiful to see and Again, these youth camps are another feeder program, right? Like, I can't wait for the first story to come where we've got a, a young woman that went to a youth camp, played on Aurora 2, and then made the Aurora main team. That will be the next story. And that's something that we can give give local local players. And, and I think that's important, right? Um, a lot of times you go to camp and it's just camp. You're going to be learning the Aurora way from camp to Aurora 2 to Maine Aurora. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And the holistic development of, of young women um, is important to us. And so this is just another two opportunities for us to do that. So we're grateful. And the pipeline goes on to the pros. I, there's already yeah. so many women that have, I don't want to say graduated, but have moved on because of Minnesota Aurora onto the next level. Uh, I'm yeah. going to Europe in, in, in a couple of months or a month or so. And Tiana Harris is playing in France and it just so happens she has a game close to where I'm going to be and I'm going to go. So okay. it's just kind of the connection of women in sports because I know your dream is global. And I just yeah. want to tell you that it's going global that <laughs> women, supporting women I said I think my friends and I are going to be there at the same time and she's like I would love to see you we're making it happen I love that like that those are the stories that we want to come from the work that we do every day that that is um I get a little chills just thinking that um Tiana is phenomenal um Kelsey Kafusi, first player yes, ever yes. drafted in the NWSL from from Minnesota Aurora like that's a big deal I mean we've only been here for in this world for three years and mm -hmm. we have professional players overseas. We have a NWSL draftee. Um, that's, we're making a difference. And yes. I think that that's, that's the coolest thing to be a part of.
And before I let you go, you're also making a difference in terms of women's leadership. Um, Andrea Yock, a good friend of our program, who had this brainchild, uh, handed the baton to you. So a strong woman saying, okay, now it's time for someone else to to move the needle. Then you bring on Nicole Lukic. You you mentioned her. She is competitive. You know, she is a great advocate for sports, but also a great coach. Well, you know, where I still tease her um, that she's still angry about that tie to start the whole Minnesota Aurora. (laughs) And, you know, where some people be like, oh, I'm just happy to start off this program. She's like, no. Like I wanted to win. I love that fire. It's a yeah. it's a chain of strong women supporting strong women as well behind the scenes, on the field. It just is fully all encompassing that way, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, I've never worked in an environment like this before, and so <laughs> it is it is awesome every single day to come in and um, you know my executive team is made up of all women. Um, you know Nicole, man, Nicole is a competitor. I thought I was competitive. She <laughs> may, she may have me beat, um, <laughs> but I love that. And I, I do love too. That for her players, I love that for her players that they can see that it's, it, you know, that you can be a woman and you can be still be competitive and get the job done and not want to settle for less. I think that's so important for our young women coming up behind us to know that um, you can do it all. Now, I will tell you, one of my, one of my mentors tells me all the time, you can't do it all at once. Right. You can do it all. And, and I think that that's just this, this brainchild of, you know, Andrea and, and others is, is a living example of what you can do when you put your mind to it. So I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, we are grateful too. What are any key dates for people to be aware of so we can get this excitement of Minnesota Aurora already building here in February? Absolutely. Uh, May 30th is the home opener at TCO. Um, please, please make sure you get your tickets. Um, I will say that season tickets um, are going are going away as of February 28th. So if you don't have your season tickets now, get them. And you've got a couple more days to get those tickets. And ensure yourself in there and single game tickets will go on sale March 4th and we're, we're full steam ahead. The Aurora 2 schedule and tickets um, and where we're playing and all of that good stuff will be announced here in the next several weeks. So um, we're ready for you. And um, there's a lot of really cool new merchandise coming down the pipe. So um, we're, we're ready to see you guys and we can't wait. And if you see us out and about, please say hello. We love to meet our fans and our community owners. Um, you guys are, you guys make us go. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming on, Jessica. Thanks. Great to, great to be here. Thanks, Jessica. Enjoyed it. We'll talk again. All right. Sounds good. Have a great day, y'all.